When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's back and bigger than ever. It's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew. Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. It is another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast brought to you by Soonerscoop.com. And we uh, welcome in the entire gang as we have uh, a lot to talk about today. The Sooners uh, announced that they will officially allow people to come into their facility. Uh, I guess we're not celebrating the start of the football season yet. We're just celebrating the start of the voluntary act of being able to practice football one of these days. And we now welcome in uh, the entire crew, uh, Eddie Radosevich, Bob Persbillo, and then Eddie, it's your now responsibility to welcome in the, uh, well, your boss and the fourth member of the podcast, who is? That would be coming live from Houston, America, right next door to Linda's new shack, Josh McQuistia. What's the quish? Like, the, the, the which, can you just say quish? Quish, 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 quish. I can't say it. I just don't want to say it. I think say so. I it's he knows how to say it. This is this is it's a bit he's doing the Eddie method. It honestly, it really isn't a bit, but it just I that's just the way that I say it. I don't know. It, it's nothing that I like think of before. It's just honest to God the way that it I just think comes it's out your, of my mouth. I think it's your northern roots because my parents, my mom has that, and she says like poosh. When she's trying to say push or cushion, when she's talking about cushions. Better than saying worse. Yeah, worse yes. or ideal. The people that say, I got an ideal, those people drive me crazy. I don't know that I've heard ideal. I've heard idea. Oh, no. I used to have a are. boss at the old service merchandise. Uh, and it was always, you guys come up with any ideals, just let me know. And I was like, you're my boss. Really? <laughs> That that's an East Texas thing. The R's they had like the you said Warsh. There yeah. was a lot of Warsh out in East Texas. Hmm. Like, you know, I wonder if there's some place that you could mispronounce in East Texas to piss everybody off, like you did with Lido. Oh, I am mm, sure yeah, that I there could... is a lot of things that you could pronounce uh, mispronounce in East Texas that people would get pissed off about. I bet they're pretty they sensitive keep out it, there. They keep it pretty simple out there, like Tyler White House. Van, now, Palestine. You could go wrong with Palestine. Yeah, yeah. not a lot of Prags and Miamas in East Texas. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not, not that they're not trying. They're not trying to trip themselves up, much less you. Well, All there's right. definitely like a sense of the way that you say uh, the the way that those guys talk, isn't there? I mean, I think everybody oh. in every part of the country and in part of the state of Texas has a certain way of saying things. Oh, there's no question. They're they're like I said, East Texas is 
kind of like southeast Oklahoma. Like, it's almost like its own little world, like it's apart from everything else in the state because it's just it's kind of isolated. There's no big cities around. So I think, you know, east, a good part of east Texas, some of the closest big cities are in Arkansas. I mean, it's not even, you know, Dallas is not your closest venue in some of those spots. I don't know if you guys saw that thing that was floating around last week about how they uh, would redistribute all the states to where they got equal amounts of land. But they put Oklahoma, like, right in East Texas. It, I would not live in Oklahoma. It would be the most disgusting plot of land that you could get. <laughs> There's no way. It was, like, basically... East Texas is pretty nice, actually. It's a lot of green. I guess we're just... We're just... Uh, Lubbock has... Uh, it's ruined us on East Texas. Well, you're thinking, you're thinking West Texas. Or West Texas. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I'm oh, yeah. geographically idiotic. <laughs> Yes, West Texas is where uh, Oklahoma is. Oh, okay. Pl- okay. Plop, That's a hard pass. That's a hard pass. No, long, long view and all that. Yeah, I get it. See? Your boy, uh, Mac McClung, made the announcement today that he's headed to West Texas. Yeah, to Texas Tech. They're going to be real good next year. He's got to sit real, out, though, real, doesn't he? He's going to sit out. Supposedly, I saw from our boy, uh, Chris Lovell, he's applying for a hardship that they believe he will get. He has some kind of... Uh, he, I think he termed it uh, Mac has – he didn't say issue, but he ins- it basically insinuated that they feel like they're going to have a really good chance of getting a instant uh, play waiver, which would be rather interesting. If he gets it, you know the Sooners have got to get Mo Gibson or else that transfer didn't pan out the way that Lon and company were hoping for. Uh, anyway uh... – don't want to get too deep into the basketball talk here yet, but uh, <laughs> sorry, I know Bob sorry, is Kersey, salivating. Sorry, Kersey. Yeah, Kersey's going to be oh. pissed. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so yesterday, Lincoln Riley, Joe Castiglione both uh, come out with a joint uh, uh, release uh, laying out the entire plan for bringing football players back to campus. And let's face it, this is a football-only plan that they put into action. Uh, basically said... Yeah, all other sports, when your time comes, your time comes. We're not really concerned about you right now. So uh, a lot of uh, frequently asked questions and answers that were included in the uh, in, in the state. We kind of had to go in and verify that they would be giving uh, COVID-19 testing to all the players uh, because it didn't really specifically say, it just say they'd be, they'd be uh, oh, was it assessed is what they and said. Screened. Every yeah, player would be assessed. And and the coaches would be screened. But, I mean, just, I guess, let me just throw it out to you. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it your way, Bob, first. You wrote the story. Uh, what really stood out to you most of all about what was said yesterday uh, by Lincoln and, and, and Joe and, and what was included in the release? I think the thing that stood out is, is clearly when you had Lincoln Riley less than two weeks ago say it's ridiculous to try to start in, on uh, June, June 1st and kind of go out of his way to say July 1st is the latest date humanly possible that they could go and still feel confident about starting to get their team prepared for the 2020 season. So even though the Big 12 said last Friday, June 15th, you can do whatever you want. For Lincoln, it was like, okay, how far can I go before, you know what, I've got to get these guys back, we've got to start working, or else we're actually going to be behind. Oh, There's already fans who believe they're behind because they're not going to be in june 8th or june 15th but in lincoln's eyes july 1st that was the cutoff that's when 
okay, they've got to be here or else we're, we actually will be playing catch-up to the rest of the college football world. And the thing, I guess my – go ahead, Kerry. I was just say, Eddie, I was going to throw this to you. Um, you know, the whole thing about this is uh, I don't think Lincoln Riley would ever say, oh, yeah, this is just fine. Like, this is – no, he's not saying that any of this is ideal. He's not saying, like – well, you know, it, 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 this is going to be just as good as if we had spring football and, and you know, summer workouts and, uh, you know, fall camp. Like, no, everyone realizes this is not an ideal situation. But at the same time, Lincoln Riley really is, to me, saying, you know, everybody's in a bad situation here. We just think that this is the, the, the way that it's going to work for us. Yeah, and I've, I've told you guys, you know, privately and just in our group message, just as far as I've been surprised that he's been so outspoken. Um, I, I think that you can view it in multiple ways. I know that they have on the message boards. Uh, it just I I guess my my feeling on them going back on July 1st is I just don't understand what the difference is between June 15th and July 1st. And, you know, certainly they've talked to a lot of different people, a lot more people than I have, a lot more uh, people that probably – uh, know a lot more than what I do. But I just it, – it doesn't make sense to me why that has been the date and why they decided, uh, you know, I guess the decisions that they did. But, I mean, I, I'm not mad about it by any means. I don't think that, uh, you know, Oklahoma's not going to lose a game in September or October or whenever because they weren't back on campus on June 15th. I think that's absolutely absurd. Uh, I guess I would just like a little bit more transparency on why they've made that decision, uh, why other schools around the country, and more specifically in this region, uh, you know, why would it be okay for an Oklahoma State to go back to school? And I don't think they've made an announcement yet, but just for an example, why would it be more safe for them uh, than it would be for, for the folks in Norman? And, you know, I, I don't know if we'll ever get those answers. Uh, they certainly have a, a reasoning and a method to the madness. I just, I don't know, maybe a little bit of a head-scratcher uh, on, on why they're – and I don't even want to say dragging their feet because I certainly don't. I, you could say the opposite uh, in this case is that maybe they're being a little bit more too cautious on that side and erring on the side of caution rather than uh, bringing guys back. So I, I don't really have a – I guess that's a long way of saying I don't really care either way which way they get back. I think the good news is, is that they're getting back to campus, uh, something that, you know, maybe two and a half months ago or two months ago, I don't know if I would have been able to say that on July yeah, 1st that yeah. they get back on campus. So I, I guess I'm trying to look at it through a positive light. Uh, certainly uh, not going to be badgering people to wear a mask or anything or not wear a mask. It, I don't care either way. It just it, it seems a little um, I don't know. There, there's a lot of more questions than answers, I guess, is what I've been trying to say. And that's kind of the way it's been for two months. Yeah, we've got a little bit of a Russian Facebook group feel to the board right now because every thread is degenerating into maskers versus non-maskers or uh, you know, herd immunity versus quarantine. Like, I think I've just decided I'm going to go start a Facebook group uh, slash Russian that is going to float the theory out there that Lincoln Riley is secretly giving every one of his players the coronavirus uh, June 1st so that they will have a herd immunity by the time the fifth by the time the first gets here. How about that? Uh, that just got clipped. That's going to be all over Twitter as soon as this airs. <laughs> That's the only conspiracy I haven't heard yet. Like, I think everything else is out there. Let's just throw it out. Lincoln Riley 
is giving his team the COVID. Well, you know how so it they is can right get now, over it. We've seen it on the board too, Kerry. I mean, you can throw a random thing out, and then if you're right in the end, you're like, "We told you that was coming." Sometimes, we told some you say was... you can even put uh-huh. put uh, maybe someone will, you know, put off some fireworks for you. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's 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 a lot of that going around. I mean, twenty k worth. No, I mean, I I've jokingly thought about that, but it's like it is for people that are. I, I'm not one to say people are triggered about it because I get that people are like, why are you doing it this way? Because I think the the normal fan mentality is you want to work as hard as you possibly can to to get back as quickly as you can to be like, why? Like, I think the counterpoint would be, okay, Lincoln, why do you have summer workouts if you don't get better working out longer? But obviously for him, this is about not spreading the disease. Uh, But I, you know, there's a part of me that says, if someone's going to ruin this, it's now going to be someone else besides Oklahoma. It'll be someone in the SEC. Like like they have an entire team outbreak of the COVID or something. Yeah, or or wherever. I mean, I I think that there's a, it's going to be very fascinating to see what happens when all these uh, teams and schools get people back on campus. My one of my questions, and somebody asked me this on Twitter this morning, and I straight up just did not have an answer for it. Are kids, would they not be safer if we're going that route and saying we're trying to keep everybody safe? Would they not be more safe working out at OU? Where they have they all these precautions. Down the street yeah. at Golds with their buddies? I agree. I, I thought the same. And, like, we saw we saw a tweet of, uh, like, Nick Benito out there running around with other guys and stuff. And, um, yeah. Like, that's not exactly a structured environment. No, I, I mean, we're talking about, uh, you know, I, I guess a smaller example. I mean, I would have to think that the Jaden Hazelwood injury gets under their skin just as much because that didn't happen, quote unquote, under their watch. He wasn't injured, Eddie. Didn't you read the board? <laughs> oh. Oh, jeez. Terry got fake news. My God. I mean, if Lincoln Riley comes out and verifies an injury, it happened. I'm sorry. And th- let me clear this up to you because people are like, oh, well, he's in Instagram videos and he looks just fine. And, uh, you know, I saw him walk into a restaurant. Like, Eddie and I last summer, we were talking about the, this this morning. We went out to one of the days, I think it was the day Brock Vandegrift came in for camp. We were out there. And Caleb Kelly was out there kind of helping to run the camp. And, you you know, he had had ACL surgery in the offseason. It had torn it during – it was he and Jordan Kelly both tore their ACLs during spring football last year. And we were told, you know, lower leg injuries for those guys too. Uh, and that they would be out to miss the season, but they had a chance to return before it was over. So we're out there watching Caleb Kelly, and we're like, man, there's no brace. He's, like, moving around. He's coaching people. Like, are we sure? Like, we we second guessed ourselves. Like, are are they trying to pull the wool over our eyes? Because it really does screw you know with your head a little bit. But no, Caleb Kelly was still hurt. Like, he still missed most of the season. So, I I just think that the way I don't I don't know what's changed with ACL injuries, but clearly something has changed where they don't have all the precautions and the stabilization that they used to have that people are used to seeing. 
Anyone? Anyone want to jump in on it? Eddie? <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. I sorry. I absolutely agree. I got I got sidetracked. They have uh they've they've You're on SpaceX. Space SpaceX. SpaceX launch. I'm, SpaceX. Uh, I'm <laughs> I finally get into this space bullshit you guys have been tagging me on, and then they don't even do the damn thing. So it's time to rethink life. Um, no, I, I, I remember exactly what you were talking about, and I hadn't even remembered that until you brought that up this morning. Just as far as, uh, I mean, it did. I, I remember exactly having that conversation. Uh, the whole thing's just weird. I mean, I, I guess circling back to just the. The idea of what OU is doing, I don't really have a problem with it. I think that if you do have a problem with it, you're looking for a reason to bitch and complain and push a political agenda. So uh, I guess we can just leave it at that. I think it's just more that thing of people have gotten used to, and not trying to make it political, people want to believe what they want to believe. Like they want to just read stuff. And I think we saw this in sports more than we see it in politics. Like people want you to tell them or news that makes them feel good instead of telling them the truth. And Josh can agree. It's always kind of been that way, but now we see it like at an even greater scale, it seems. Oh, you can uh, like, you know, when we get comments or, you know, you look at some of the, when Lincoln had his tweet yesterday that got everybody all fired up, you could look at the board and see, uh, or not the board. You could look at the, at those posters, look, go on their Twitter the responses. Feeds, look at, yeah. And look at the people they followed, and you'd be like, "Yeah, you're. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not shocked. This, you are right in the alley. I think you are." And that, to me, at this point, the people that get all crazy about all of this stuff, it, on either side of the fence, it is someone that is my political agenda is what I'm most driven by. That is moment. who I am as a person is my political exactly, agenda. exactly, yeah. and and it's not about. And you I know, saw I it on both sides. Like just, I saw oh, sure. crazy yeah, Trumpers one. and I saw crazy, you know, liberals. Like, but yeah, you can just go look at their you because I can't help myself. I'm like, wow, that dude looks completely insane. And then I go and look at his timeline, and it's all either MAGA or you know, anti Obama or super liberal, like and you're just like, mm-hmm. Okay, I get it. Yeah, that person's here to party. I hate I don't, all of I don't, you equally. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know about for you guys. There are times Twitter is like, it's like watching a race, and all I'm waiting for is the crash. Like I just want to see the crash and see how bad this goes. Like we all knew it when Lincoln tweeted that thing yesterday. Like this is going to oh, go yeah. bad. Like you knew it. Like there was and and to well, his there's credit, a part of me I, that feels like he should have known it too because she used the word privilege. Like yeah, you know you're oh. privileged. And I was like, oh, that's not yeah. Uh, I think he absolutely knew it, and whether I like his take or not, I kind of respect that he didn't just take a easy out on it. Like, he didn't just, you know, like, it'd be very easy for a guy, or not very easy, it'd be easier for a guy like him to just walk the middle. But he's clearly laid a stance out here. I mean, he has a way he feels about it, and being a public figure like he is, it would be easy to just kind of not put that out there, and he's, he's not taking that road. I, I I was thinking about that uh, today, this morning, actually, uh, driving home, and I was thinking about, you know, I've been surprised that he's been so outspoken, but in the same vein, I think that that's kind of, he's practicing what he preaches as far as giving his players the platform to be able to voice their opinion and voice, yeah. uh, or kind of have their voices be heard, and I, you know, I, I think you, you've seen that here uh, over the last couple of days from, uh, you know, a number of the players on their Twitter timelines with uh, the current events going on right now. And I think that 
he he does give them a little bit of a room, and I think that you know that's why at the end of the day, uh, he's he's a player's coach, and they like him so much because of stuff like that. So I guess when I say that I've been surprised that he's been so outspoken, I really shouldn't be, but at the same time, I kind of sort of am just with the uh, you know I, I guess the climate of, of what we are in right now and just the reality of, of what, you know, I, I would say a majority of his fan base thinks. Has there been another head coach that's been as outspoken, or is it just because we cover OU so it's it feels question. like Riley? Yeah, like fans. I don't know anyone that's been, you know, as outspoken in favor of being cautious about this. Cause yeah, I, you, you've seen the stuff with Coach O. It's It's been all over the place. I know that he did an interview on Fox News uh, either yesterday or this morning talking about how we need football. But I haven't seen anybody to what I think Bobbian's insinuating as far as just being so outspoken about preaching uh, patience and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, with Saban with the mask on the mascot thing, is that in the same vein? Yeah. I mean, he, that? that was more of a public service, I think for the state of Alabama, which I think that's also Nick Saban kind of knowing that, you know, Hey, this thing can't get too far out of control or we will lose football and I will lose $11 million this year. Actually, he probably would never give that back. But yeah, I don't know of any other coach out there that's been that in that way. I think most people just kind of kept quiet and, you know, dealt with the questions about, are they going to play football again more than anything? I, I the only one that I can think of is Mike Gundy, and ever since his last kind of snafu, he just yeah. walked on it. And so. I would say that the majority of coaches probably feel like Mike Gundy does. I agree. And I will tell you this: I do know that like not everybody I know you staff feels the same way that their head coach does. Well, I'm sure that there's a lot of because uh, they're football I guys. I mean, football you know. guys are not they're not built for this. They're not built to sit around like football guys would be out at Lake of the Ozarks. They're not they're not trying to nah, I don't know wait about 15 that. days. Some of them would be. A lot of them would be. I don't know if I'd go out to Lake of the Ozarks if they were paying people. I'd probably be on the golf course. That's not my scene. The open air, open pool. Nobody wants to see my body in a pool. I know that. Nobody I'm wanted to see to most of those pool. bodies in a pool. I didn't. I don't remember looking, going, hmm, boy, I wish I was there. That chick is hot. Not one time. Yeah, a, lot that. These, uh, a lot of these, a lot of these videos from, out there. A lot of these videos from places that they're like, you're like, oh, that that's overcrowded. I keep looking around. I'm like, yeah, I'm not that tempted. Like, that's not a, you know, I'll go in spite of the crowd sort of situation. Like, I don't want to be there with those people or in that crowd. So it, it's a, it's just confirming that I don't want to be a part of that. I have to go to my nephew's graduation in Frisco, and it's in a it's in the Toyota Stadium, whatever you call that. I don't know what do FC what do the footballers call their stadiums, Josh? Pitches or whatever? Uh, they're usually state. I mean, like the grass is or the the field itself is usually called the pitch. Uh, but I'm slightly terrified of just doing that. I just I don't want to go. I'm getting to where I can start going to like grocery stores again, where I'm fine with that. But I'm just not, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to go to a beach or a resort where it's just packed with people right now. Just not my thing. <laughs> it's never really been my thing before that. So yeah, that's I, true. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> it's not like I'm missing out. 
Now, topless Jeep rallies in Galveston. It's all gravy, Put me baby. down. Hey, that was the one that I was like, nope, there's nobody there I want to see in a bathing suit. Not a soul. <laughs> there really wasn't, yeah. Oh, those were, those uh, the video people, they show. Oh. Those were 100% not my people. Those are your Galveston people. Now, how far is it from League, from League City, Galveston? From where I'm at, it's, I mean, like, it's, I could get there in about 25, 30 minutes from my house. Those are so your people. No, no, sir. Once you cross that bridge into Galveston, you are on an you're in a totally different environment. That is a that's a beach town's beach town. That's Texas's Panama City Beach, basically. That's exactly right. You know, I mean, when when uh, what South Padre can look down its nose at you, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting ready to say that. If if South Padre people look down on Galveston, I can't even imagine. <laughs> uh, just, oh man. Uh all right. So anyway, you know, outside of that, you know, I do think it's, you know, the plan that they came together with, obviously it's comprehensive. I mean, uh using foggers and you know, the single point of entry, which I think is good. But essentially, I know we put some stuff on the board about or I did, about, you know, quarantine and stuff like that. I will say, I was just, that's what I was hearing. Uh, you know, I was hearing that, the, you know, those were, and I will say this, I did talk to somebody yesterday uh, that, you know, knows everything that's been going on, has been privy to a lot of the conversations. There's been all kinds of stuff that they've worked through. Like, uh, and I, I still believe as of the weekend, they were talking about a 14-day quarantine period. I don't know if that I, I don't believe that's still the case because they can just have the testing and then they'll know if people have it and then they'll have to wait to get the results. But um, I do think, you know, they'll be able to do some of that stuff before the first gets here uh, just to be ready to go. They would, do you think that they would do that? And I, I think I saw that. I believe it was Arkansas that was doing this. Do you think they would do that for players? And I would have to kind of rack my brain real quick to uh, figure out who it would be. But do you think they would do that in quarantine players that are coming from quote unquote hot zones around the country? I think it was Arkansas that I saw that was going. That's their plan of action. That would be interesting. That'd be, I mean, mm. we haven't had a chance to ask questions of either Lincoln or Josie, and that's yeah, definitely a that question that, that would be need to be asked. It would alleviate a lot of uh, kind of our questions just as far as uh, the protocol that is in place, because you know on the surface it sounds it, it all sounds good, but. There definitely are some question marks about, you know, what is what the next plan of action would be in case, you know, this happens. And I'm sure that OU, that's they've planned for that. I mean, that's kind of what they have done as far as, uh, you know, putting their plan in place. As much thought has gone into it, I would imagine that they would already have thought about the, you know, different scenarios that could arise. Yeah, but like, you know, I mean, Woody Washington, uh, Tennessee's starting to grow a lot in cases. Uh, you know, you got Jaden Davis from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, which you know has been bad from the outset. Um, Caleb, Caleb Cali, California. Yep. And I guess I I don't even know who's on campus right now. I think that, that there's that's what I was gonna guys say. around right now. It's like remember last yeah, month, who's been like here? Said, yeah, a percentage of people stayed on campus and around Norman. You wonder how much that's grown the last month have more people come come back to Norman here in the last two, three weeks. But you know it's not guys like Bryce and Washington, um, you know, who are freshmen. Uh, it's guys that have been established that, you know, would have been around. So, uh, Yeah, I, 
that that was the other thing that I kind of wondered about just as far as like and I guess this is kind of a stupid question, but did you know like a guy like Andrew Rame, I'm sure that he just moved back to Broken Arrow. Is all is all his stuff still in Headington? Has he had to like move back? I guess I don't know. I, I guess there's just so many question marks about uh, what they're how they're going to do this, and then even the the groupings of guys uh, as far as the way that they're going to work out with only ten guys at a time. I'd ask Benny Wiley, but he blocked me, so I can't. <laughs> I'm block free right now. I mean, I'm I'm trying to remain. Brian Carrington might block me, but that's. A whole different thing. I I won't care if he does. Was that about today or? No, I'm just saying if I keep uh, making oh, fun okay. of his post, oh, he okay. might block me. I'll just ask him if he where the hammer uh, aisle is, and maybe he'll figure it out. <laughs> I mean, Carrie, you just present some random ass numbers and then act mad when people don't understand them. <laughs> you know, I mean that that's that's the that's Twitter 101, sir. Tell him the power shift is coming or. Whatever the heck his, his phrase I has mean, been the last year. Look, Russell Westbrook became one of the biggest stars in the world from Oklahoma City for 11 years. So I don't really know that, you know, being from Austin is worth so much more than being from Baton Rouge. Yeah, I don't hey, know. You, I, can't, I don't claim how... to know a whole lot about marketing right now, but I would say location is probably more than ever. Uh, just less a factor. I'm not, not going to say like in obsolete, but I mean, yeah. it just doesn't seem like it would matter a whole lot. Well, I mean, let's face it. It's, it's what we talked about before. If you're Baker Mayfield or you're, uh, especially if you're Kyler Murray and you've been drafted, think about it, Kyler Murray. He was drafted in the first round of baseball. He came back for another football season. Like you think that that's not a marketing machine right there. Like oh, he couldn't have. Me? Like, that's more than, I think, Trevor Lawrence. Now, like, Trevor Lawrence, he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. He's he's a great quarterback. Uh, but you could make an argument, like, maybe Justin Fields carries as much marketing weight as Trevor Lawrence because of where he is. Being in Columbus versus, you know, Clemson, South Carolina. Well, and... The the fun thing about it is to compare. Like, I mean, we don't know what Sam Ellinger's uh, first-year contract's going to look like. I'm going to guess that he won't top 22 or $24 million, which is Oklahoma's last two uh, quarterbacks to come out. So, you know, I mean, that that's great. 900000 a year is awesome. I, I think I would prefer $24 million, but that's just me. So I Yeah, that was that pointed out thing. by a lot of people. Like, um, so you're just going to ignore the fact that you're not getting these guys paid through the draft because, yeah, yeah. Sam Ellinger is is going to have, have to scratch and claw to, to make an NFL team and stay in the NFL. Sam Ellinger, is, his best hope is to have a Jalen Hurts-type draft situation. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the sky. Exactly. But, I mean, look, there's so many variables that go into this thing. We don't know how it's going to work out. Like, you know what would be a great marketing campaign – uh, but it won't matter because he'll be gone. And Sam Ellinger, by the way, will be gone by the time this stuff takes effect. So he won't get to take advantage of any of it. Uh, but, like, if you had, like, a Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields ad campaign, like the one and two that came out of high school and now they're trying to lead their teams and they played on the field last year, the, like, that'd be a great marketing campaign the, for some national like magic, brand. Like, like Magic and Bird from years ago. There you go. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, man, Gary, yep. I have—I didn't even think about something like that and how that would be possible if 
you got two guys on two different teams representing the same company and like and basically promoting the same brand, if you will. Right, and they that both would, benefit be out of it. Fascinating. I haven't even thought about something like that. Because I think when you think of the name, image, likeness stuff, you're thinking still within each team, town, school. But that would be, I mean, can you imagine like a Oklahoma company getting, yeah, just for example, Spencer Sanders and Spencer Rattler, the two Spencers to do something for them? Yeah. It'd it, it just be weird. It, I, I, I would find that extremely fascinating. Just call me Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah, you need to. You just need to go do a uh, minute and a half video now on Instagram that makes you just leave saying, "What the f- did I just watch? Why did I watch this guy?" <laughs> but I do feel kind of motivated now, so maybe I'll watch the next video. Uh, but no, I. You know, that's a that's a just a typical Brian Carrington thing. He's always. I will say this. He's he's a great marketer. People are always paying attention to what he's saying because usually it's dumb. And at least people saying, what the f*** did I just see? Yeah. Kind of like Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> That's a good segue into uh, the recruiting world. <laughs> yeah, Josh, where are all these damn commitments? Ooh. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're uh, coming, I guess. I don't, I don't I, You know, this is the bullshit. I didn't even think about it till this minute when Kerry said this. I've become the eyeballs. So instead of people yelling at Lincoln Riley about eyeballs, they're yelling at me about the possibility that something's going to happen. Yeah, you kind of so like have. He's, he, yeah. he, he's put the bullseye on me. Thanks a lot, Lincoln Riley. I really appreciate it. But no, I, you know, there, people keep asking, like, has something changed? Has something gone wrong? No, there's nothing I've heard that makes me think anything has changed, that Oklahoma's not clearly the leader for these two guys that I've kind of been focused on. And there are a couple others that I think are close, but there's two that primarily have, I guess you could say, have given Oklahoma every indication that they are going to get on board. Now, why they haven't, I don't know. I, I don't have the answer to that. But it is, it, it, it to my knowledge, nothing has changed that that is still their plan. So when they actually do it, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's a waiting for edits thing. I clearly don't think it's a video thing with where we are in the world right now. Um, I don't know what it is, but it just is not happening at the moment. And we all just, now we wait. Josh, we know next, next weekend has potential being something big. And we'll talk, I know we'll talk a lot more about it next, next week, but Isaiah Coe, June 5th, Christian Leary, June 6th, as we're a week and a half away, how how confident are you feeling about where OU stands for for both of them or for just I, uh, either one of them? Yeah, you know, with um, uh, sorry, there was somebody else. I was wasn't there somebody else? Oh, uh, you've also got Rocket Sanders on June eighth, the linebacker from Florida, Raheem. That everybody calls him Rocket. Um, with with Co. I don't think he's a take for Oklahoma right now. I just, and it's not that I've been told that definitely, but I, it's never been told to me that he definitely is. And usually this close, you know, you kind of have to know. Now, Oklahoma is remaining in contact with him. They're still recruiting him. Everything is active, but I just don't think 
they can take another JC guy after taking two last year. I think they know that the numbers just don't work right, and they need to get some high school talent in there on the inside. So I think unless something were to change and they didn't feel good about Kelvin Gilliam and Marcus Burris and some of these other interior types, I think maybe at that point you would see Isaiah Coe go from a maybe to a definite. But what's going to be interesting is can they come back later? Because I think right now if he picked, I think he'd like to pick Oklahoma but I don't know if they can take him. Uh, in the case of Christian Leary, if I'm betting right now, I'm probably going to bet on Alabama. I haven't changed my my forecast on the site, basically because I haven't heard anything definite. Even when I talk to uh, some of the sources around Alabama, there's no clear indication of, okay, yes, th- you know, th- they, they think they've got him, they think it's done, you know, whatever. You're getting none of that. I think he's got everyone guessing. Uh, it could be Florida as well. None of those three will surprise anyone I've talked to, but it does feel like if you, you know, kind of when you get those conversations, like, you know, gun to my head, if I had to pick, it seems like everybody's telling me Alabama. So that that's kind of what the guess is, but I don't think anyone knows. Josh, this is your, or uh, Bob, this is your pod now. We've just, All right. I've handed well, it over to you. We'll just go two days later. What about Rocket? Is Rocket coming to Norman? That that's a that's one that I do think Oklahoma is going to have to make a decision on. Um, I don't know that he would pick Oklahoma, but I think it's possible. Um, the problem is, is I think Oklahoma has some guys that are a little higher on their board. I think you're going to see Ian Jackson announce on Thursday, um, and I, I I expect that to be Alabama. So that kind of clears the way a little bit for Rocket Sanders. And then you've got. Really, the two guys that I know of that are in front of him, or I guess the three guys, would be Kendall Daniels, uh, Prince Colley, and um, there's somebody I'm forgetting. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Dallas Turner. M- okay. Munden, yes, Munden, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I just went blank. Um, no, the those three, I think, are a little bit in front of him. Now, Munden's almost certainly going to go to Georgia. I think when Barrett Carter, we talked about it a little bit last week, when Barrett Carter picked Clemson, that just put a lot of heat on Georgia. They need to land Smell Munden. So I, I think that one's going to be really tough for Oklahoma to pull off. Then you add in, uh, like I said, with Prince Colley, that one's interesting. From what I understand, his virtual visit went really well, really made a good impression on him. I think kind of made Oklahoma more real for him um, as to where he just kind of knew them as a big program. He liked Brian Odom. I get the impression now that maybe it's a little more than that. So we'll, we'll kind of follow that uh, for a little while. Kendall Daniels, I think Oklahoma leads. I feel a little better about that as of late than I have in a while. Um, I definitely think Clemson is a threat, but I, I just get the impression that being close to his family, you know, his parents, everything, I think that's going to matter. So I think Oklahoma's in good shape with Kendall Daniels. Um, so it just it's kind of a question of does Oklahoma want to go ahead and make the call on Rocket Sanders or probably wait it out and see what happens with Prince Colley? I, I don't know which way that's going to go. But I do think with a kid like Sanders, say he picks, you know, a lesser program, maybe an Ole Miss that just offered him today or something like that. If he went in that direction, you would think Oklahoma could, you know, could stay in contact and then at a later date say, okay, man, we we now have a spot for you. We want you to come for an official visit. We want you to come check it out and maybe still be able to pick up where they left off. Um, But a guy like Colley with some of the big-time offers he's got, I don't know that you could do that in reverse. And then Josh, this is, this is my last one. I'm gonna have trouble trying to phrase uh, phrase this though. Okay, so we know Caleb Williams has been crazy in terms of trying to recruit for OU, even though he's not committed. You wrote about it 
and woke today almost at the same time I was talking to Eddie and Todd about it on the franchise morning show that we've just never seen anything well, like got, this. You but, just got beeped out. <laughs> but but it, it, you know, if if Caleb is going through every single target, is there a chance, or I guess, I'm, could he be talking out of turn a couple times, talking to kids that maybe are higher on OU than the coaching staff is? If you get what I'm trying to say, it's if is he trying to recruit too many kids to where sometimes it might backfire. You do wonder about that. I mean, because you wonder how much um, because. Everybody you talk to is like, well, Caleb just wants him to come play with him. Like, how how open is he being with these players about what his intentions are? You've got to think it's somewhat. I mean, because just recruiting, uh, come play with me. I mean, well, okay, dude, that's great. But if you go to Maryland, Emeka Buka, he's out. You know, like, I mean, like you start going down the list. A lot of these big time guys that you you know that you want to play with are not coming to Maryland, and you know some of them may not LSU may not be an option for them or whatever. So you kind of have to think about that. But also my, my other issue is if he is being that forthright, how aware, aware of and how much is he thinking about Oklahoma's numbers? Like he may want 10 receivers to come. Oh, you can't sign all those receivers. Like how much is he thinking about, okay, this is the guy I want first. This is the guy I want second. And talking to that with about Lincoln, because if, if you're recruiting – basically on Oklahoma's behalf, which is what most people assume is happening, then how do you navigate doing so when, you know, you know, you may think he may love Jalil Farouk or Malcolm Johnson, some of his local guys, and oh, you may say, yeah, we like those guys a lot, man, but if we've got our choice, we want a Mecca and we want J. Michael Sturdivant. I mean, they, or Christian Leary or whatever it may be. I mean, they've got to figure out a way to make that work or – Oklahoma, you know, may like Tristan Lee, but boy, we're not going to risk taking him and miss out on Bryce Foster and you know whoever else. That they've got to figure out how that works. And I and I mean, we're talking about this pretty somewhat openly. I've got to think Oklahoma is more than aware of what's going on. They're they're giving some direction to this situation. I mean, they're just not letting him run around and you know say whatever on their behalf. And that's not that he's irresponsible with it. He just he doesn't know the inner workings like they do. So I, I definitely think there is some coordination, but it is interesting to think about how much Caleb is taking that in. You know, he's bearing that in mind as he goes, goes and does, um, you know, all the recruiting he's doing right now. I wish we did a Us Weekly type magazine and we could do like a picture of Caleb Williams with a picture of like Lincoln Riley screaming, you know, like, we choose what recruits we want to sign. And we could be like, is there, odds. is there trouble in paradise? <laughs> oh, Who's tabloid? running Oklahoma's program? <laughs> You're talking about tabloid work. Yes, Us Weekly. Oh, well, I mean, we could do that. I could send out tweets all day about how Jalen Hurts is going to affect the 2042 offense in Philly. <laughs> Not clickbait, tabloid. <laughs> You are definitely you are definitely going to get blocked by Jalen Hurts at some point during his his uh, football career, however long or it may be. Twenty four seven sports. I don't know which one's going to happen first. See, blocked right there. Already blocked. Um, yeah, I mean that's 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 interesting. I let me ask you guys. I think we've kind of seen some of 
I mean, God, we saw the OSSAA stuff uh, come out this week, which I guess you can make an argument like, hey, they're just trying to leave it up to the schools to do what's best for them. Uh, it didn't come off that way because yeah, yeah. You, you at least I, want someone to have a little bit of oversight on because like colleges, I mean, at least they've got their conferences to oversee things. Uh, you don't know what some high school coach might do that might just, you know, result in an entire breakout, you know, for an entire team or something. Uh, or, you know, different, you know, different schools have different resources. Uh, but I, I want to put a pin in that. We can get back to it. But do you guys foresee maybe California, uh, other states being in danger of just not having high school football this year from anything that you've kind of heard? Oh, I, I think there is some legitimate concern from people over whether that's how that's going to play out, how that's going to work. Um, you're hearing talk about a lot of the big time guys in California considering going to you know places like IMG or some of these other programs where they know they're going to be able to play rather than waiting and hoping things work out at their schools and not really knowing until you know who knows when. But it does sound like California is starting to loosen the reins a little bit. Yeah. So may, maybe they're starting to you know feel like there's some hope at the end of the tunnel. Not to deflect the uh, commentary too far from the high school stuff, but like I'm more – I'm more hopeful than I think I have been, and I feel like it's been a steady progression each week. But I'm kind of operating under the circumstances that – or under the idea that there's going to be fans in the stands, which a month and a half ago I would have absolutely laughed in your face at that idea. Yeah, I just, I think, was... I just think, you know, schools are being forced to make these plans now but it's the schools like Iowa State that still need to sell tickets. I mean, everybody's like, oh, that's great, Iowa State. They still have 8,000 tickets to sell in order to get to half capacity for season ticket holders. So, like, they're forced to do it. Like, How would, how would Oklahoma operate, Gary, do you think? Like, I was trying to think, how many season ticket holders do they have uh, out there right I now? I think it's is around it? 50,000, 60,000 is okay, usually what it is every year. I, I was thinking conservatively it would be more than 45, but maybe no more than 60. So that's probably right where I was thinking. But, I mean, single ticket sales, you got to think, are done for this year. Like, And the only place, I'm sure schools will try and come up with, I know OU has their own, you know, ticket resale program and stuff like that, but it's almost going to be like SeatGeek and StubHub are probably going to be the only places you can go to get it. You're not going to be able to – there's not going to be a lot of guys, I don't think, although I don't know. I don't, want to, I don't want to besmirch the industry. I just say those guys come up with a way. So you, you might be able to find guys outside the stadium selling tickets before games this year, I bet. Without having physical tickets? Yeah, I mean, you oh, won't be able to. Other thing, I, I yeah. guess you can still sell the digital side of it, can't you? You can still send that to somebody. Right, yeah. I would imagine, though, that the average scalper, the guy that you see on the corner of Lindsay. <laughs> With the I need ticket signs are, are out of business, yeah. Maybe needs to uh, lay off the butt ice <laughs> at 8 a.m. so he can figure out how to uh, scalp a ticket. Do you think he's going to have, like, a digital board? He's going to up his game as well? Well, couldn't you just that print it? Be, that would be hilarious if so, that's what he did. So you can't just pr even print it out anymore. You have to actually have it on a phone. Uh, yes. I mean, I, I, Oklahoma will be offering commemorative 
uh, like tickets, but I don't believe that that will be for use inside the stadium, if that makes sense. Hmm. Which completely, I mean, makes sense. I, I'll be honest. I, I can't remember the last time that I used an actual physical ticket to get into a game. And I know it's different for me, but like even a Thunder game, it's usually a, a digital ticket or like one of those season mm-hmm. tickets that they've sent out for uh, courtside. No big deal. I mean, what do they use for the uh, like Gabe's tickets? <laughs> that's an actual. That's an actual. No, you get an actual ticket. Yeah, it's an actual. Yeah. It's a. It's a like a. God, it's a, like a whole. It's a giant yeah, little like, placard. Yeah, it comes in like a fucking box, basically, that you have to open and then get open another box and open another box to get to it. Is there any other point to the physical tickets besides just collector's items? Like for people that love to collect every single ticket they they that they get? Uh, I, I would say probably just the commemoration part. Like for some yeah. weird reason, I keep every credential that I've had. I have no idea what I'm going to save it for, but I've seen pictures – and I know that people sent Gabe and I uh, like uh, pictures, uh, framed pictures of like every ticket that they've had since you know God knows when, and it was actually really fucking badass. Yeah, I had to make a decision a while ago to start getting rid of the uh, credentials. I didn't I need to. Need to. I, I didn't just, need to I, save. I don't know why? I just have like a little box that I put them all in. I didn't need to save the uh, North Texas 2003 credential. Should have. Well, that was, that was the throwback throw, uniform. Throwback unis, yeah. I think I threw away the Hispanic uh, student bowl stuff, which was Tommy Harris's first game. Would have been a nice quinceanera present for Linda's daughter. <laughs> hey, I'm not sure that game gets the uh, due that it deserves as wildly racist. That that game was like, that was a different era. With no, all students the were wearing sombreros. I mean, yeah. my God, it was so oh, racially no. insensitive. I was one of them. I had multiples of those hats, like, in my closet in college for years. Like, I would wear them to, like, different stuff. I'm surprised they didn't have Speedy Gonzalez painted on the field. Oh, dude. I mean, like, I look back now, and you're like, ooh, that's cringy. That's real, real bad. Um, but, yeah, what that that game was 2001. Was 01. Mm-hmm. 2001. I think it was the Hispanic College Fund game. I think that's what it was. Something like that, which you've never heard from. I've never heard of any other game being that. And, I mean, I guess it makes sense because they picked Oklahoma and North Carolina. Like, not exactly. It's not like, you know, the the Alabama-Oregon meetings in the in Jerry World or something. They didn't really do much with it. Yeah, other they, than, hey, you'd think they'd have, like, game. UTEP or somebody come in and play that game. Wow. Uh, so the, you know. What? Opener? UTEP is right. You can see into Mexico from UTEP. Hey, it, it's been a little while since we've had an Is This Racist segment, but I think we just nailed it. Oh, I think it was nailed from the moment you brought up that you wore a sombrero at the game. Oh, see, I see you trying to pivot. I see you trying to turn this. I think I sat next to Tom Deanhart during that game. In the press box. I, I just remember them playing gangman style all night that's all, that's the only song that that place plays no you're talking about youtube i'm still talking about the spanish heritage foundation yeah, game or whatever it was two, two different wavelengths here 2001 i was in uh eighth grade i don't know what i was wearing 2009 is are you talking about the sun bowl ninth, ninth grade. Yeah. are you talking about the I'm sun bowl about, in 09 no i'm talking about no. the straight up trip two, to 2020 oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, with the damian williams first game 
Yeah, that would have been it. Yeah, I think it was. And Trey McTwire didn't do jack squat, and everybody's like, eh. He kept getting run out of bounds. Should have been a sign. Well, that wasn't his problem. Yeah, just couldn't say the course. He wasn't exposing himself during the game. That would have been a story. (laughs) Well, that we know of. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Uh, We are so far off track. I don't know (laughs) where we were going. Uh, No, we were talking about high schools, not uh, what states are most likely not to play. I mean, and look, everybody recruits so far forward. Uh, OU's already identified everybody. But it's good. I mean, like, I think about this all the time. Like, just how much I would have hated being a senior this year and not having my senior year of baseball and things like that. There's going to be a lot of kids. I mean, preferred the preferred walk-on stuff is really going to take a hit this year. If, you know, if if you don't have, you know, states playing a lot of football. Not at OU, but just everywhere around the country. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think – and you say that it sucks for those kids, and it does for sure. There's no doubt about that. Going through your final semester of uh, your senior year is f***ing awesome. I'm not going to – there's no other way to say it. It's awesome. But they are going to get football season when they go to college and not have to hang out around after uh, Thanksgiving break, and that's pretty badass. Yeah, I could see that being pretty good. And we haven't heard any talk about you know the potential of moving games up either, which I, I kind mm-hmm. of expected to hear some of that. From, from a OK Prep side, I have heard that talked about a little bit, but nothing to the extent of it being reported or anything close to that. And with the decision-making processes of the OSAA, who knows what would happen. Okay, so I guess we can hit on that real quick, just because I know you guys were following it. Everybody was kind of shocked. Uh, you know, there was pushback. There was this and that. I mean, what is the overall general feeling on that from, I don't know, Josh or Eddie or Bob, just high school coaches or people that you've talked to about it? Is it just a massive failure across the board? I would I'll- say... Go ahead, Eddie. Go ahead. No, I was just going to kind of set it up for you is the fact that, like, I I, I didn't really have a problem with it because I kind of understand where they're coming from. It's completely different when you're operating at a school like Union or Jinx or Broken Arrow as opposed to somewhere on the smaller, you know, like a Bethany or something. It's completely different. But at the same time, that's exactly what the OSAA is supposed to be there for, to give guidance to the schools. So, I'm Josh, I'm – I'll clear the way for you. I'm sure that you've talked to more people than I have. It just it, it's it's awkward to me that that's the decision they would come to. Well, and I want to make sure I understand it to a point. So the OSA, oh God, we've got to come up with a, like a way to say that in short. OSSAA. I can't do it fast. It's slow every O-S-S-A-A. time. So what I understand is is it the board of directors that put forward this idea? and then voted that idea down or did someone else put the idea together and they decided they didn't like it seven to six bob correct me if i'm wrong i believe the ossaa uh in their office put the guidelines together and then the board of governors that govern the ossaa uh, which they i believe they have 13 or 14 members and the uh, president can't vote so it was seven to six they're the ones that voted it down so the OSAA office presented this idea. The Board of Governors said, we're not yeah. buying into that. 
Okay. Well, that makes some sense then. Like, I can at least, like, I was like, did you guys vote down the very thing you put in place? Uh, no, I couldn't they, make sense no. of that. But, okay, okay. So, that, okay. So I'm, gl- I'm really glad I asked that question. But, no, most of the people I've talked to, guys, it's like we were talking earlier in the pod. These are football guys. They're jacked. They're ready to get back to football. Whatever lets that, that happen faster. Uh, I think most of them are great with it. I mean, and I the only district I've seen that came out and said, no, we're going to go through some steps here was Oklahoma City when when I think it was Dillbeck put that out on behalf of the Oklahoma City Public Schools. Has it, have I missed anybody else? Because that's the only one I saw say, no, we're going to do this, you know, kind of as the initial intent was. UConn made a statement this afternoon, and I saw uh, Coach uh, retweeted it over there, but it, there, I didn't necessarily, nothing jumped off the page. It was more to have to do with the guidelines and when they're getting things back into place, when everything can start for the summer, workout program, things like that. That They weren't going to have camps. But there was no guidance, I guess you could say, as far as um, what they're telling the schools to do. And like, like I said, like I completely get it. It's different for the bigger schools. It's different for the smaller schools. I just hope that everybody has plans in place. And I think that for the most part, whether it be superintendents or head coaches or athletic directors, what have you in these schools, I do think that everybody's going to be pretty smart about it. I, I don't think that this is a situation that a lot of people are going to put kids in jeopardy, but it's kind of like I tweeted on Friday. I just hope that we're putting the right plan in place to not look back in a couple months. And I guess it's kind of a Lincoln Riley approach to it and say, man, we really screwed that up. We're not having football because of this. Well, has, this is high school sports. Life, there's a bunch of money starting, in this. Yeah. Has, has anybody said they're starting June June 1st yet? Because I know that, uh, that's when they said you can start. I was June, just June reading I, I what Eddie sent from UConn. Yet. And UConn says they are going to begin small group workouts on June 8th. And that's the first yeah. date I've clearly seen. Um, but, no, I haven't seen anybody. I think everybody's being pretty cautious. And I'll be honest, I'm talking to people trying to find out – you know, okay, if you're going to set something up, man, let me know. I want to be around because, I mean, obviously we didn't get to do the spring tour this year. So I'm trying to find a way to go see as many of these guys as I can because I think the next few years in Oklahoma are really good. So I, I, I'm kind of trying to find a way to do that. But, um, but no, I mean, I don't, I don't get the sense that anybody's like, okay, this is what we're doing. We're laying this all out. This is going to happen. So uh, it seems like it's been a – to their credit, to a lot of the coaches and school districts' credit, it's been a fairly patient approach so far. Uh, Josh, have you talked to anybody just as far as what would happen, and maybe not even in terms of high school football teams as much as the recruitment of players and particularly the seniors going into their, their senior year that already have missed out on the spring eval period? I mean, what a nightmare that would be for the NCAA. Uh, and not to mention just the kids in general that would have to go through something like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you, you think uh, – now, do you mean from the perspective of guys getting evaluated or do you mean from the perspective of trying to figure out eligibility I mean, and how that's all going to work? The entire – just the entire thing. I would think that is just a – I don't want to call it a headache, but that is a – that is a massive, massive problem. Well, guys, you know, a really good example, and I hadn't really thought of it until earlier today because I I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about Marquise Brown. Think about guys like Marquise Brown who took a chance, moved all the way to California where they have no scholarships. Like Marquise Brown went to California and paid his way through his first year at junior college and was betting on someone finding him and liking him. 
Well, if, if that was this year and football got canceled, he just went out there and wasted his time. I mean, wasted his money, and God knows if he could do it again for another year. You know what I mean? Because I'm sure it was some effort to put all that together. Um, so it's stuff like that is really, really daunting to think about. And then, like I said, you, I mean, Eddie, you mentioned it guys that are you know that put together great senior years and or you know it's sophomore year at a junior college it would be really hard like if you if you fast forwarded a year and say football didn't happen this year justin harrington's probably not part of last year's class shane witter's almost certainly not part of last year's class Uh, i mean you go through some of the guys that really really took off in their last year and kind of made a name for themselves they wouldn't be there, and, and not just at Oklahoma, at lots of different programs that, that continue to evaluate throughout, through the course of the football season. So this could have huge ramifications if they can't find a way to get the football you know, season off the ground. And not just about football, about guys that are you know, dreaming of playing for a college or you know, hoping to get a scholarship, I mean, so they can go to school, all that stuff. I mean, I know that sounds all kind of rosy and aggrandizing. You know, we joke about student-athletes and stuff, but – there are a lot of these guys, this is their best chance to go to college. And, you know, if those things fall apart at the wrong time, it, it could leave a lot of opportunities on the table. What about this? Um, could the NCAA be a help by maybe having a one-time early, you know, really early signing day? Because without the in-person evaluations, these coaches – or maybe they could lift the restrictions to allow more people to go out and see kids. But there's going to be a lot of coaches that want to go out and see kids in person that haven't been able to see them in person rather than have to go babysit kids that are already committed just to say that they did it. You see what I'm saying? If they're Friday nights, their Friday nights are going sure. to be more valuable than ever from a evaluation standpoint. Yeah, so you instead of having to go see Colin Montgomery, he's already signed, and you can go watch Bryce Foster when Bill Bedenboe's in Houston or something like that. Yeah, or or uh, you know, or just a tweener kid, you know, a kid that you don't know yeah. if you want to offer or not, because there's sure. a lot of schools, and that's maybe not for Alabama or Oklahoma or the big boys, but for the majority, like the Texas Techs and the Oklahoma States, I mean, they have to be able to evaluate some of these kids in person. Yeah, they've got to turn over some rocks and find some guys. There's no doubt. Um, no, I, I, you guys know me. I've always been a big proponent of the summer signing day. Like, it, the, and I mean, and I, I think you would have to do it twofold, where the the you know almost the NCAA issues out uh, the sign the letter of intent to kids who request it, that kind of thing, rather than letting the school handle it and kind of be able to apply pressure. So if the kid doesn't request it, hey, he can't send it in. No big deal. You know, you could do something like that to alleviate some of the pressure from the early signing period. But because there's a lot of these kids, man, they they know what they want to do. I mean, does anybody think Ethan Downs is living in any doubt about his college decision? That kid knows where he wants to go. Cody Jackson, you know, he committed yeah. uh, over, you know, over a year ago now. And in spite of everybody kind of thinking he'd waver or be shaky, that dude's been OU's number one cheerleader the whole time. Would schools push back on that, Josh, just as far as – and I certainly don't think Oklahoma would be in this case, but would a school say – and I guess it would have to be one of those decisions that a school has to make in that it's like, yeah, we want you to sign, summer goes great, then you have a bust of a senior season, and you know, there's some schools out there that would go back and they're going to tell you to gray shirt or 
basically we don't want you to be a part of this class. What happens if that kid is already signed? Well, where that gets interesting, and, and you bring up a good point that's kind of a hole in what I was proposing there, you'd almost have to make it like a double blind. Like, okay, sure. school says, yeah, <laughs> we want you to send a, a, a signing an LI to um, Mario Williams. And Mario Williams says, yeah, I want it. Okay, we'll sign. But OU says, ah, oh, we don't want to send one to this other guy in the class, and the other guy wants it. Well, does that create some drama? Sure, it does. But it also allows the kid to know where he is. Like, and it, sure. everybody kind of knows. And that's never a bad thing. I, no, that, I, you you guys know me. I'm huge. There, I think that would actually that would help a lot, wouldn't it? Yep. I I, I think that you guys know. I I think this is really hard for these kids. They're young guys. They're super impressionable, and they they believe they're the greatest thing ever because in their towns they are. They're they're the best player ever. They, it's hard for them to know where they stack in the world of, uh, of the entire country of college football. So I, I think it, anything that makes it more transparent for the players, I'm all the way for it. Now, what you're talking about, yeah, I'm sure there are some coaches that would absolutely disagree with me on that, and I get it because it's not in their best interest. But at the same time, does it maybe burn OU with the guy that they make that choice on? Sure, maybe it does. But what about the guy that, oh, I don't know, that Alabama really is kind of lukewarm on, that OU loves. And Alabama says, ah, we don't know. We don't We don't know if he's going to be a take for us come December. And they pull back. Well, then OU has the chance to steal that guy. I mean, like, it, it should work itself out in the greater scheme. Like, yeah, you're going to lose the guy that you were a little, you know, kind of half-hearted about. But you may get a guy that you really like that somebody else wasn't as sold on. Well, yeah, I- you're definitely keeping more teams honest. And as exactly. far as as far as like you know, if you could alleviate it by letting more guys go out on the road, I think you could do that. You just have to make a rule that says, okay, you can't. If you have eleven coaches now out on the road, they can't all eleven descend on one prospect to impress them. You just have to come up with a limit. Yeah. Like you can only have three coaches max evaluating one player or something like that. See, I I think that's I hadn't thought about that at all, Kerry. But I think that's a great idea. Allow whether it's two GAs or you're going to allow Lincoln Riley and all the other head coaches to hit on, you know, hit some campuses, whatever it may be, do something to give these schools a little chance to make up some of the ground they lost. Yeah. I mean, I, and I'm sure, you know, right now everybody's just concerned about getting back to practice and playing, but they've got to start having these discussions here at some point because that's just, there's just no way that you can put that load on coaching staffs to, to make Friday night such a crucial part of uh, you know y- your season with everything else on top of it, especially oh, with I mean, travel and you know just CDC stuff and all that. Well, I mean, and y- you think about it, even for these coaches from just being—I mean, most of these guys are fathers of young children, man. And I—I I can relate. Being gone Friday, I get to come home Saturday. Like, but Friday, you know, they're gone from first thing Friday because they're going to hit the road and go travel, no practice on that day or whatever. And then they're going to get home late Friday, boom, turn around, they're headed to the stadium on Saturday to go coach. Like, they're gone. I mean, they've missed, and then, you know, okay, well, then we got film on Sunday. Like, I get that a coach is making a ton of money and he's busy, but you're just putting more and more load on a small group of guys to make up all that ground because, I mean, they're coaches. They're, they're going to try to go find the best players, and if they have to spend an extra 20 hours a week traveling to do that, that's probably what's going to end up happening. And I think you could – like I said, you could mitigate that a little bit. All right, let me ask you guys about this because, you know, we started looking at players and where they're coming from, and it made me go down the roster a little bit. 
because with the compressed uh, timing, getting ready for the season, and I'll give uh, I'll give my old nemesis slash buddy Sooner Fifty Five a shout out here because he was one of the first guys that brought it up at the board um, that he felt like you know this was going to be bad for offensive linemen because those guys are big. Uh, if they want a chance to get in shape, this is going to be difficult for them. And I do believe all of that's true. Um, you know, I think we saw where Bray Walker, uh, there were a lot of Instagrams that Biddy Wiley put out for a while that Eddie can't see now. Uh, but he hasn't done it lately. I'm, I'm not saying, blocked on Instagram. Oh, not only Okay. But like, you know, he spent, you could tell he was spending extra time with Bray Walker, um, doing conditioning, doing, you know, stadium steps, all that stuff. Uh, and then you wonder about guys like Stacy Wilkins because he is such a, you know, if they are going to be really good on the offensive line, I think he has to be your left tackle. I mean, uh, I'm, I I know they'll plan on just continuing to move forward with what they've got, but he could make them a better offensive line if he steps up. But you know, without having spring, without you know having a full summer workout season, there's just a lot of guys I go down the list. I don't know if you guys have anybody. I mean, uh, uh, Trey Norwood's a guy that I think, you know, is a real concern because he's been rehabbing and he could use more time to kind of get back to his old self. Um, but I don't know. Are there other guys that stand out to you that you're like, eh, I kind of worried that this is going to hurt him? The the one that jumps out to me, and just because this came up in a conversation earlier this morning, is Stacey Wilkins. Um, you talk about a guy with a ton of talent, had a chance to maybe take that left tackle job, but... He's also incredibly raw, hasn't played a lot of foot, you know, like he, he knows nothing about this level. He played some small school ball in Arkansas, or not small school, but just relatively speaking, he hasn't faced a lot of elite talent. So for Stacy to come out and be ready when he didn't get, he didn't get all the reps he would have gotten in spring practice, miss a lot of summer workouts where he, I mean, you guys know he was lean, you know, he needed to bulk up, get bigger, stronger, all those things. He's missing out on a lot of the key points that I think he needed to be able to take that job. I think you're looking at anyone who switched position. Now you don't know if it was worth it. I mean, we're, well, Robert Barnes comes to mind yeah, for me. Like, have we all have we already thrown in the towel on Barnes or not? With the spring and his move to linebacker, you could have had a better feel of whether or not that was something worth pursuing. Or in the summer, you were going to switch him back, and now you just don't have a clue what you were going to do with some of those guys that you were planning on maybe moving. Josh, did you say Stacey Wilkins? Yeah, yeah, that was that was the guy that's that stood I, out to me. That's what I thought. I, that's that's probably number one because, and you know, it was something I saw on Twitter today. Oklahoma, they returned basically everybody from that offensive line. It's about filling that left tackle spot and what they're going to do there. So, uh, I think a lot of what Oklahoma's success is, you know, is, is predicated obviously on what Spencer Rattler can do as he steps into the offense, but. Uh, he's going to have some guys that can protect him up front, or we think is going to be able to protect him up front. It's just going to be a matter of can they develop Stacey Wilkins, and if they don't, they're in a lot of trouble. Well, I, I think Eric Swenson healthy will be better, but and and he no, did I, okay I agree. I agree in the Big Twelve, but I mean he was exposed against LSU. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But yeah, I mean, and I I you know just some other guys. I mean, you think about here's one. I mean, you're not worried about. Uh, health or physicality, but like Perry on Winfrey, like how much will this hurt him being able yeah. to to be a not not that he can't be a starter, but to be an effective starter from from game one. Well, in yep. the back of your I, mind, I, doesn't it kind of ring true too that because he's a JUCO, maybe you're a little bit more worried about him and Ellison as as opposed to somebody 
like, uh, you know, I guess we'll just insert Ronnie Perkins into that mix. Like, it's just, it's only natural to think that. Yeah, I I, I think uh, you look at that entire kind of nose tackle situation. We got Jordan Kelly coming off a big injury. You got Perrion Winfrey, you got Josh Ellison. I mean, the three that you think are probably most primed to take that spot all have huge questions and all really needed the spring and summer and, you know, are going to get summer in some limited capacity. So, I mean, the, to me, that's one of the real questions on a defense that actually returns quite a bit of, uh, of talent kind of around those guys. The other one I would bring up is David Aguebu. We've heard a lot of talk about him maybe moving, getting some time inside. I, I think we all agree that he's an extremely talented guy, could be one of those kind of game-changing type players that Oklahoma's defense has lacked at large portions of the last few years. Um, so does he get – do they they keep him there, or do they move him back to, out, to outside where they know he can play and they've seen him make a difference? Well, I think other, you know, another couple of guys like Jaden Davis. I mean, he 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 flashed early in the year, and then he struggled the second half of the year. Like he really could have used a spring to mature. I think same thing for Woody Washington. Uh, those are guys who are not going to be as far along as they could be, uh, who could be starters. I mean, and then I, and then Marcus Major, being a guy that is coming back from injury, he's that injury guy that you worry about, like the rehab guy. Like, did it all go right? Is he going to come back a hundred percent or? Uh, is he going to have to spend some extra time at the beginning of the season kind of working that you know shoulder back into shape and things like that? Throw Joe Michael Terry into the mix. Yeah, him too. Mm-hmm. Caleb, we brought up Caleb Kelly in a different segment earlier, but Caleb Kelly oh, figuring out man, yeah. his whole role and how much that would have meant to have. Because, I mean, if you if Kelly comes along, then okay, whatever else, we're solid at linebacker. We've got Caleb Kelly. We've got Deshaun White. They're two good players. They you know We don't know if they're going to be superstars, but they're good, solid players. We know what we have there, and we can develop kind of around them. Now, you don't know what you have. I mean, you, you've got – I mean, we talked about Jaden Davis flashing. Brian Osamoa, that guy looked like a dude around the time of the UCLA game last year and then just kind of disappeared. was gone. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it could definitely be said that there is a lot of those guys that are in that mix as far as Oklahoma returns a lot. But they also return guys, and I guess return's not the right word, but they also have a lot of guys on this team that just simply have no experience. Yep. Well, um, and Buki will be fine because according to Brian Carrington's uh, math, he's going to be making $7 million this year because he has a lot of social media followers. He has a serious presence. And we say that enviously. We we wish we shared his presence. He just conveniently left him off of his little uh, list. Well, guys, as an influencer, and and Buki and I talk about this a lot, (laughs) uh, it's about reach, guys. It's about reach. No, I'm kidding. Mm, The value per tweet. Uh, Anything else you guys wanted to hit on before we uh, wrap it up this week? Uh, No, not really. I've just been seeing some stuff come out on the NBA and the Major League Baseball. I I, I think it's going to be really – and, you know, we've obviously been paying attention to the NASCAR and golf stuff – probably more so than I ever imagined that I uh, ever would. But, you know, I, I do think as things reopen, it's going to be very vital for the state of college football to watch how NBA does it. We'll see if Major League Baseball can get their shit together. It doesn't seem like I've never no. seen two groups of people. So just it, it infuriates me unable to, to work together. Stupid both of those sides are. They know how bad that would look if baseball wasn't able to play. They know how much money they would lose if they weren't able to play. I just don't understand how these mother 
Rutgers just can't get it together, it seems. Well, I think there's just, I think, I, and and here's what, I think, who was it? Was it, um, was it Tom Glavin that came out and said, the players are going to lose no matter what, because everybody's going to blame them. And he was talking about mm -hmm. his experience with the strike in 94, right? I, you know, I think right now the impression that everybody gets is Major League Baseball is going to lose billions of dollars and the players won't really budge on salaries. Like, not even not even think about budging. That's I think that's the impression that the world has right now. So, if there's not baseball, everyone's going to blame the players. When it's a screwed-up system because Major League I Baseball is the one... Is the one uh, major sport, well, hockey's the same way, I guess, that relies on fan attendance for the majority of their revenue, more than TV. No, I I agree. I mean, I I do think that it's, and I, I kind of get both sides of it. I just, like, I feel bad. I don't know if I just feel terrible for a guy like, you know, Mike Trout's the, the one example out there. I think he's supposed to make like 36.6 million. Right, he would make yeah. like seven and a half million if they played on the prorated uh, side of it. And it just like, yeah, that sucks. But at some point, both sides are going to have to give in a little bit. And like, I, <laughs> I'm at the point where I, I don't care what happens. I just want baseball on the field by July 4th, damn it. But you know what? I think if the people like Mike Trout just said, look, I'm just sitting out this year. I'm just not going to play. And you had a mix of professionals and minor leaguers. I don't think anybody would care this year. They just want to see some baseball. I would agree with you to an extent. But, you know, I mean, the owners played this out perfectly because the guys like Mike Trout and the big money guys that are going to take the biggest hit look like the bad guys if they don't play. Yeah, but what I'm saying is you could play without them. But... My whole thing with that is, I mean, I, I certainly get that there is room for negotiation, but at some point, seven and a half is a hell of a lot better than none. Sure. By the way, uh, can you imagine? That, can you imagine like the the season Bryce Harper would have if like all the big pitchers decided, all the high paid pitchers decided just to sit out this year? Still yeah, want to strike out a ton and hit some home runs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, his. There would this be is those, not a Bryce Harper love podcast, Carrie. I won't stand for. No, it. no, no. There would just. I mean, it's just. I think you hate Westmore, Josh. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> I I'd go cover that back in the day. Oh God. You you wrote that article. Okay, Bob? preps. Well, I had to go watch one of those like summer league games when he was at Westmore. I remember there was a story in Oklahoma, and I didn't realize that was you. It wasn't me, but I had to do, like, because we basically Dude, just somebody else followed him. Saying. It was David Uppen, I'm pretty sure, because <laughs> I think he was an intern at, at the time. Oh. <laughs> so you went and did all the work, and David got the credit. Damn it. <laughs> Who would have but, known that's where the curse would begin? Now, did, uh, did Doug's lose his first game? I think he's still undefeated no, at Tennessee. Yep. He's still undefeated. He beat Georgia. He, beat Georgia he tried real hard night. to lose to Georgia from what I could follow, but uh, I wasn't watching it. it the it's trip not is, as fun because Georgia's actually, or Tennessee's actually good. Texas Tech, watching him melt down was pretty fun. But the the Florida fans that got triggered because Doug's beat them, I mean, that was, that was gold. It's been pretty good. I, it's been I, one of the bright spots of the pandemic, for sure. 
if he comes to Oklahoma, we need somebody to go ahead and, uh, you know, when we tweet this out, respond in the pod with your Doug's outfit. We need to be ready for that. Like, we need to have our the official OU Doug's guy. Like, he's got to be there wearing his OU gear as often as possible. I mean, Doug's already has the guy. <laughs> we already have the guy. I, I mean, I know, but, I mean, you know, you OU fans, do you want to be represented by somebody in, you know, Florida? No. You can't recreate the Dugs. Yeah, Dugs is, is his own unique, <laughs> unique creature. I don't think he's coming to Oklahoma anyway. No, I, I think Wisconsin or Toledo's on the uh, on the bucket list for Coach Doug, so we'll see. But wasn't Toledo his first team? Yeah, Toledo was his first team, and then uh, Big Cat went to Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, he'd have to go to, like, I mean, go to, like, uh, Penn State. That'd be a good next team. Those people are insane. Yeah, I don't know if the showers are ready for Doug's. <laughs> all right, that's a golden point to leave on uh, for this week. Uh, all that's right, guys. Shower. Fun as always. Appreciate it. Lots of information here. And, uh, yeah, we'll be that much closer to football every time we podcast from here on out. As uh, Sooners, July 1st, will be uh, reporting back for voluntary uh, facility workout. So it, it's it's been a good week. Please just stop arguing about masks and not wearing masks and turning everything into political debates. All right? Let's stop politicizing college football. We're I never so thought close. I would see the so day. So close to football. I can see it. Everybody's just sharpening their skills for football arguing, for arguing about you know depth charts and stuff like that oh, i'm so ready to tell everybody how wrong they are about football <laughs> all right well thanks guys uh great job this week and we'll do it again next week uh, so for josh mcquiston eddie radosovich bob Prisbillo, i am carrie murdoch and we'll see you back here next time on the unofficial 40 podcast from soonerscoop.com